Thank you so much for the welcome. Excited about being here in Lincoln Park. This is my first time at New Life Lincoln Park, so um, I'm excited about, about being able to preach and share the word of the Lord with you all. Um, I will definitely say that I'm tired. I'm a bit exhausted. Um, there's been a lot going on. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So I uh, am married uh, 17 years. My wife and I, we have six children. Um, I see some heads shaking, like nods, like, like wow. Uh, is that possible? Yeah, it happened. Uh, so six kids. Uh, my oldest is in, in school in California. My daughter here uh, came with me to Hammond. She's in the back there. Um, I came with me to Lincoln Park. I think I'm in Hammond still. See, this is how tired I am. Uh, <laughs> so she, she, she joined me today. Um, and then there's four uh, additional uh, boys um, that are still at home, um, all the way down to four years old. So uh, I have an adult child and a four-year-old child. And I keep thinking, I was talking to someone in between the services, like, I'm like trying to, how many years do I have left? of like really like deep, hardcore parenting do I have to like do, because um, I'm counting down the years. They're lovely, great children, really exciting to have, they're a blessing, but they're a ton of work, um, a ton of work. Um, I'm also a bivocational pastor, so I work a full-time job as like a community engagement uh, organizer, you know, social justice type person. I work for an education nonprofit called Kids First Chicago. And we do a lot of work with families to just try to help them organize around issues that are important to them. So whether it be like funding issues or school accountability or, you know, um, I need to raise money for a new playground at my school, that kind of stuff. And we work very closely with the district to, to help make sure that all families and all kids have access to a high quality education, no matter what community they live in. So that's a full-time job. It's a lot of work, a lot of people management, like skills, being able to be in relationship and organizing in communities. Um, and I'm also a full-time pastor at New Life Hammond, a volunteer, but still full-time, still very much a lot of work um, at New Life Hammond. We started late in the year of 2018. This is actually our like anniversary month. And um, 2019 was an amazing first year, a lot of momentum, but uh, you know, 2020 came, and now it feels like we're starting back over after the pandemic and just kind of getting, you know, things back up and running. Um, so I got the, the full-time job. I got the full-time family. I have the, you know, full-time church and a lot of stuff going on. So that's why when I say I'm tired, I'm super tired and exhausted. Um, I know Bobby's probably tired too right now. He might be at like mile 13. I don't know how, how long, who knows how long the marathon is. Is it like 26 miles? It's like the, the real deal? Wow. So yeah, he's physically tired as well. We'll pray for him as he continues to run. Um, and so something new that is happening at Hammond, like just, you know, I've been working seven days a week for probably the last month, is uh, I get a call uh, you guys know about the migrant families that are coming up from like Texas, Florida. You've seen it in the news. And the city is overwhelmed and they are looking for help. So they've been reaching out to churches in Chicago. And of course, New Life having an amazing presence in the city and has partnered with the city on a couple of things, specifically with New Life Centers. The city reaches out to New Life and they're like, hey, can you help with this? Do you, in, in your buildings and spaces, do you have the capacity to be able 
to support migrant families, refugees uh, that are seeking asylum to, to like live in your space. Um, they looked at a couple locations and have some thoughts and ideas, but most of the locations don't have the space. And guess what? Hammond just so happens to have like this amazing great building of all of the 27 locations that we have in the area. Uh, Pastor Josiah calls me and is like, Garrett, what do you think about doing this? And I'm like, share more, please. I need to know what I'm getting myself into. And we need to turn your building into a shelter in the next week or two. Uh, that means putting in showers and laundry room and 24-hour security and case management for all of these families that need to get connected to jobs and housing and everything. And I'm just literally overwhelmed hearing all of this and thinking to myself about all of the things that are going to be necessary, right, for these individuals to... And, and it's like, I can't say no. I can't, even though I don't want to do it. And I don't mean that in like a, a negative kind of way. Like, I just don't physically want to push my body and my energy to do it. But, you know, I look at the scripture and it says, when the sojourners are coming into your land and your country, make sure you treat them well. You love them as yourself. You were once strangers in Egypt. So when strangers are coming to sojourn with you, like, I'm like, I can't, the church has an obligation to do it. So I said yes. And now, you know, here we are. So this was like, like I, I announced this to my congregation on last Sunday. I found out about it the Wednesday before that and talked with Pastor Josiah like for a couple days, Wednesday and Thursday, told my elders and deacons on Friday. On Saturday, and we had a women's retreat at the church. Brookfield and Hammond partnered on a women's retreat. So Friday and Saturday, this big, huge women's retreat where it's like, you know, 150 women that came from all around New Life. And on Saturday, I'm outside with the guys, you know, doing security. And we're literally trying to figure out how we're going to do this. Um, and, and the guy that, uh, that one of the other churches we're partnering with is Grace and Peace on the northwest side. And he called and he said, hey, we want to send you supplies before people start coming. Can you take a truck? I'm like, sure, we can take a truck of supplies. What is it, like a U-Haul or a pickup or something? And he's like, no, this is a 54-foot, 18-wheeler truck that you need to take, and it's coming tomorrow afternoon on Sunday. I haven't even talked to the church about this yet. I haven't. So we're scrambling trying to figure out. Well, we, he said, you're going to need a forklift. There's no, like, tailgate that lowers and raises. I'm like, okay, I don't have a forklift in my backyard. Like, what are we, where is this going to come from? So I call Matt and New Life Centers. I'm like, do you have a forklift for all the stuff you're doing with the food pantry? He says, yes, but you got to come and get it, and you got to get a tow truck. And it's not just a regular tow truck. It's like a serious tow trucks, you know, tow truck that tows like big vehicles, like heavy vehicles. And, and I'm calling tow truck companies, and they're like, how much does it weigh? What's the dimensions, the size? I don't know. It's just a, a forklift. I need somebody to tow a forklift. So finally we find, I had, when I was Googling it, it said heavy-duty towing. So I'm like, well, they must be the people that we need to call. So we, we got the tow truck guy. We found the forklift. But now we need a CDL driver to drive the truck. The pastor is like, I'm sending you the truck. I'm like, well, you don't have a driver? He said, no. I'm like, okay, now I need to figure out if there's anybody in my circle of people at New Life Hammond that has a driver. The brother-in-law of one of our elders has a, a, 
a driver that was able to commit to saying yes to going to get the forklift Sunday morning, drop it off at Hammond, stay at Hammond while we unload this 54-foot you know, trailer, and then take the forklift back to New Life Centers so that they can have it ready for their food pantry stuff on Monday morning. So I'm sitting in church on Sunday, I'm preaching, and while I'm preaching, I'm thinking also about, like, simultaneously, how am I going to tell the church about, about this? So after I cut the service short, I'm like, okay, church, we need to have a quick meeting. Um, here's what's happening. I told him everything that Pastor Josiah told me, and I signed you all up for this, and, and we got to do it. And everybody's jaws are dropped, and they're like, okay, I guess we got to do it. And then I said, by the way, there's a truck outside right now <laughs> that pulled up while you all were in church, and we need you to unload it. And, and it's like 40-something pallets of all these different supplies and materials, everything from, I don't know why we got, this is like Target just putting everything that they had extra in these boxes randomly. No order at all. Like in one box, there's like potato chips, some canned, you know, chicken salad, some a flash drive, some blankets, and 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 then and then I saw these packages of like doggy pads, like for for new puppies that are not trained yet, that you know, that like poop on the floor or something. So if you have dogs and you need pads, I got the the like doggy thing. It was all kinds of random stuff. And they sent it to us. Some of it were like, we're just going to give this away. Other things were like, we could use this for the shelter, right? And the team stepped up, and they did it. They did it. We unloaded the truck from 2 to 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. It was great. Um, and so I'm just super exhausted, super tired, right? And uh, my wife signed me up to make tacos for her brother, who had a birthday yesterday. He's 56 years old. And so yesterday I'm cooking tacos, and I totally forget that I got to preach at Lincoln Park. Like, there's like so much stuff going on. So right around six o'clock, it hits me. You don't have a message yet. You need to figure something out. And I, I told the family I got to go. I went to the church at six p.m. last night, and I just said to the Lord, like, I, I knew I knew what the message was about, like what we were on, you know, as a church about reading the Word. But I was literally like my eyes kind of watering up and just said to God, I'm just so tired right now. Like, I don't want to go to church tomorrow. I don't want to preach. I feel super overwhelmed. Have you ever been stressed out where you really feel it in your body? Like, you feel the, the difficulty, the stress, the pain, the exhaustion in your body. You're just so overwhelmed. You're at a place where it's like, God, if you do not jump in and like give me strength right now I don't know how long I can do this and my wife has said that to me she's like how long are you going to keep this up like full-time job full -time ministry like we have a big family you got to quit one you got to quit new life or you got to quit your job which one I'm like I can't quit either one you know I'm a volunteer pastor we're, we're a new church I, I, I can't pay myself a full-time salary can't quit my job but this is what God called us to do I can't quit this either I can't quit my family what do I quit? There's nothing to quit. And so I'm saying to God last night, I don't know what to say to these people. I'm just tired, and I need you to like literally step in. And all of a sudden, I start to feel and hear from God just this supernatural energy and strength and power. And what I hear God saying is that 
The reason why reading my word and why my scripture is so important is, it, it, it is because it gives you the supernatural strength and energy that you need to keep going. That's what it gives you. So I, I don't know if any of you all are in a place right now or if you've been in a place where you are just super tired. Like, I'm, I'm talking like, not just like you need a nap, but like, like chronically tired because it, it wasn't just a long day yesterday, but it's been a long year or like a long month or like the last few weeks or like even multiple years where you are at a place where it's like, I'm at my capacity, like at my limit. I cannot do anything else, God. I need you to step in and do something for me supernaturally. And this is what God's word does. And this is what we're going to see in the scripture, that when we are at that moment in our lives, this is where we run to his word. We see his word. We read his word. We do his word. And he equips us with everything that we need to stay faithful to the purpose that he's given us. That's why his word is so important. Or else we crash and fall, or crash and burn, or fall on our face and not able to get it done and be what God has called us to be. And so let's look at the scripture. We're going to do 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, or really 10 through 17, but we'll start with 10 through 11. You'll see it on the slide here. And... 2 Timothy chapter 3, 10 through 11, it says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Paul starts off here by saying, here's my experience. And here's where I have suffered and where I have had to make hard decisions and some really difficult choices. Because he doesn't just mention these things just because. He mentions them because he's looking back and thinking back on a moment in time where he had a choice to make. Right? He says, you followed my teaching. You followed my conduct. You know that I was at a place in life at one moment where I could have behaved in this way or in this way, and I had to choose how I was going to behave, how I was going to respond in this situation, in what way was I going to, to, to respond and, and act and behave. And he said, you saw it. You know that I was faced with the decision, but I chose, I chose to be obedient to God. You know my aim in life, that I, I was at a fork in the road and I could have went that way or this way, but I went where God wanted me to go. You know about my faith, right? That type of faith that you have to have, like where you're hoping for something that's not there, it's the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen, that type of faith that says, you know what, I don't see it, I don't know it, I don't believe it, I don't know where you're taking me, what you're doing, God, why are we turning this building into a shelter for refugee families right now? Where are you taking us? I don't know, but I have to have faith in God's word or else I can't please him if I don't have that type of faith. And the only way you get faith is through the word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing God's word. And so he says, you know my aim in life. You know my faith, my patience. He doesn't mention that without having gone through some stressful moments in his life where he had to choose to be patient. He had to choose to love. He had to choose to be steadfast. 
and he's been persecuted, and he has suffered, but in all of that, God has rescued him. And so he starts off by saying to the people here, this is my story. This is what I've gone through. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I've been persecuted. I've been through a lot of stuff. And then he starts telling them that you should anticipate this for you as well. In verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know, this is what we sign up for. Um, we well, actually, we don't sign up for it. You know, we come to Jesus like, thank you, Lord. You're going to change my life forever. It's going to be great. But then you experience all that comes along with being a Christian that is totally committed to and totally sold out for Jesus and everything that Jesus wants you to do. Um, and part of that is that you're going to experience persecution. Jesus himself said it. No servant is greater than his master. If I'm the master and they persecute me, you better believe they're going to persecute you as well. He even told his disciples, you all should really think about this before you jump into it. Because anyone that's going to come after me, he's got to deny himself. He's got to be prepared to take up his own cross of sacrificial love and follow me and follow after my footsteps. So he reiterates this here. He double, double downs on this point, And he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. He says, continue in what you've learned. Sometimes you got to think back on the things that you have been taught through the Word of God and remember those things. There is a word for every moment in life. There is a word for every trouble in life. There is a word for every pain that you might experience. And you just have to simply remind yourself, this is what God says about what I'm going through right now. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for reminding me. And he says, you've learned these things. You've heard it for a while, even since you were a child. These sacred writings, and they are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I'm suffering, and then he says, you're suffering too. And then he goes on in verse 16, and he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So in these three slides, what we're seeing is that Paul says, I suffered, you will suffer, but God will rescue and his word will equip you. I suffered, you will suffer, but God will rescue and his word will equip you. I love 16 through 17. It says all scripture is breathed out by God. It's like a breath of fresh air. The word of God is like just God breathing into your life and saying, I am giving you the strength the energy, the breath of fresh air, the essence of who I am, right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. And as we take in more of his word, we are taking in more of God himself, more of Jesus himself coming into us and filling us with his breath of fresh air, with the strength and energy that we need. And so all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. So again, Paul says, if we can advance uh, the slide, it says, I suffered, you will suffer, but God will rescue and use his word to equip you. So there's four things. Four things that I want to point out in that last, those last two verses, 16 and 17, that, that he says that's really, really uh, good. One, teaching, reproof, number two, correction, number three, and training, number four. These are four things that the Word of God is really super helpful for and really could be amazing for you in your life. Number one, the teaching. It tells you what is right. The Word of God tells you what's right. It tells you and instructs you and provides you with the teaching on what is righteous. The only way you know how to live holy, the only way you know how to do what's right is if you read God's word. And then the word of God is also good for reproof, meaning it tells you what's wrong. It instructs you on what is sinful. And this word reproof, is defined as in scripture as like proving and testing. And after the proving and the testing, it reveals what is true about who you are. So in other words, the word of God will not only reveal to you what is right, but it will show you your sin. It will help you see yourself for who you really are. It will reveal to you what your struggles are, because we don't always know it, right? Has anybody had to tell you before what, what you, how you messed up and where you went wrong, right? If you're married, you tell your spouse this all the time. And sometimes it's like, why don't they see it? I don't understand why you can't see and understand what you did wrong. It's like, it ain't my fault, it's your fault. You apologize. And sometimes in our sin, it's just so difficult for us to know what we've done wrong to admit to what we've done wrong, to accept our wretchedness and our sin. But this is what God's word does for us. And it's so great because you can't change who you are if you don't know what you need to change, right? You cannot become a better person if you don't know what's wrong with you, right? And so the word of God, the more you read it, it reveals to you your sin. It shows you your sin. And, and it's not just showing you what you did wrong. It's showing you whether or not you're going in the right direction. Because sin comes from this archery term, which means to miss your mark. So it's like taking a bow and arrow, pulling it back, and you're shooting it. And there's a bullseye. But it didn't hit the bullseye. It hit somewhere else. It went somewhere else. And so to sin is to miss our mark. To sin is to not be who God has called us to be. And if you want to be what and who God has called you to be, you need to let the word of God reveal to you that you are off track so that you can get back on track. That's what the scripture does. It says to you, you're supposed to be going to California, but you're on your way to Florida. And you want to know right away. You don't want to be five minutes outside of Florida thinking that you were going to California. Like if you got in the car right now, you're driving to Florida, 
and you get five minutes from the border, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to Florida. I thought I was going to California, right? Why not figure this out, you know, five minutes in instead of five minutes away? Why not figure it out right away that you're going in the wrong direction so you can get back on track? And that's what the Word of God does for you. And you got to get it every day. You got to read it every day because every day we make mistakes. Every day we go in the wrong direction. Every day we screw it up. And so we want the Word of God to say to us, that's wrong. This is right. You're going in the wrong direction. You're missing your mark. Get back on track. And this is where I want you to go. This is who I want you to be. And the word of God does that for us. And then there's correction. So I'm showing you what's right. I'm showing you what's wrong. And now I am restoring who you are. The word of God restores you. It corrects you. It takes what is messed up and screwed up and all bad and ugly and sinful and just brings restoration to it. And that's what the word does. And then finally, you know, you know what's wrong, you, you know what's right, and God has corrected you and saved you and filled you with his spirit, but sometimes we still mess up, and that's why he needs to discipline us. And so the training for righteousness is the ongoing discipline that the word of God provides for us on a regular basis. So God's word is so important because our, our ability to be what we were created to be hinges on us reading God's word. If you've ever been confused about who you are, if you've ever like been confused about the direction you should go in, if you've ever said, God, I don't know my purpose and why I've been created, then you read God's word and you immerse yourself in God's word and you drown yourself in God's word and you become clear about who you are, your purpose and what he's called you to do and you can get on track towards doing that. And this is why his word is so important. The next passage we're going to look at is in James, the first chapter, and it's just a few verses. And this kind of drills down that same point of identity. Last week, we talked about identity. This week, we're talking about reading the word of God, but it's really about identity as well, because this is what the word does for you. So let's look at James 1, 22 through 23. And it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And it's like a lie that you tell to yourself. You don't even know you're telling yourself this lie. It's like, I read the scripture for today. I'm good. I did my devotional. I'm good. And when you say that to yourself, you are deceiving yourself. You are lying to yourself, unknowingly. Lying to yourself, telling yourself that it's good that you read your devotional, it's good that you, 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 you did your reading for the day, and all of those things are great. We should read every single day. We should get into the Word, but it cannot stop there. There has to be some doing. If you don't do it, then you are deceiving yourself. And you know, in the book of Acts, it talks about how the early church, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. To be devoted to the apostles' teaching doesn't mean a Bible study. It doesn't mean that we are committing ourselves to like, you know, just studying the Bible and we're devoted to being, uh, you know, experts in the Bible and understanding the scripture and knowing how to explain it and tear apart and parse it and, and all of that stuff. Those things are amazing. The Bible says that we should do that. The Bible says that we should understand how to rightly divide the word of truth, right? 
But you cannot stop there. To be devoted to someone's teaching is to do what they teach you to do. It's not just to study what they are teaching you. It is to do what they are teaching you to do. Right? It is you saying, it is my kids saying, when I say to them, go clean your room, they can't sit down on the floor in a circle and say, let's talk about what dad said. No, that's not. I, I didn't tell you guys to sit down in a circle and talk about what I said. I want you to go clean your room. But dad, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. We're thinking about it. We're studying it. We're, we're trying to figure out how to best do it. <laughs> who, who should it be? And what training do we need? And, you know, um, like, it's like, no, no, thank you. That, I, that's good. I want you to understand what I'm telling you to do, but that's not what I told you. I told you to go clean your room. Just go do it. And you know what? The more you go do it, the more you learn how to do it better. You get better over time cleaning your room. But you're never going to get good at cleaning your room if you're just talking about cleaning your room, if you're just studying what I said. And so to be devoted to the teachings of the apostles is to do it, to do what you are taught. Or you are deceiving yourselves. You are lying to yourself saying that, this is all I need to do, and this was a great thing that I did. It's got to go further than just reading and hearing. It has to be doing. And this is what he says is the risk. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, going on to the next slide, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Wow, that is dangerous. That's like me going to the mirror and saying, wow, thank you, God, for telling me who I am. I can see clearly who I am. I'm confused. <laughs> like that, Just two minutes later, I see it, God. I see it right there, and now I'm confused. I don't know where to go. I don't know who I am. You look at the mirror, you see yourself, you turn around and you go, and it's like, what am I doing with my life? And this is why, you know, I grew up in a very Pentecostal church, very emotional. And I mean, church was great. Sunday was it. It was like we go and we sing and we hear the word and it's so great. And it's like, you know, we dance and we, and we just, we experience this, this, um, this kind of this mystical thing about the warm and fuzzies of God. And we go home and it's like, that was amazing. I needed that for my week. And that's a good thing to do. But five minutes later, if you're not doing what you just heard, you're going you're gonna to lose yourself Monday through Saturday. You're going to forget who you are. Your identity is going to be lost. And that's what the Bible is saying. It says you look in the mirror and goes away and at once, not even a few minutes later, like if you don't take action on what God is telling you, you to do, at once you forget what you are like. That's clearly what the scripture says. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once immediately forgets what he is like. That's a dangerous thing for you to hear all that God is saying, leave this church and forget who you are. Forget what God has called you to do. Forget your identity. Forget your purpose. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the perfect law, the law of liberty, the, the law that makes you free. The law that gives you the freedom of 
being secure in your identity and your purpose. That individual, as long as he perseveres through all of the exhaustion, through all of the fatigue, you see who you are, you look at it, and you say yes to God. I see what you've called me to be. I'm looking in this mirror right now. I'm seeing your word, and God, I am saying yes. Right now, I'm saying yes, and I'm going to do, in addition to study, but most importantly, do everything that you have just told me to do. And persevere through that. Persevering through that, being not just a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. And then the Bible says, he will be blessed in his doing. Or if you go back to 2 Timothy, it says you will be equipped for every good work. Being equipped for every good work, being blessed in all that you're doing, what God is saying to you is that even though you're tired and you don't know how you're going to get it done, even though you're exhausted and you got a dozen things on your plate right now, I am going to equip you. What mean, that means that I'm not just going to tell you how to do it. I'm not just going to tell you when to do it. I'm going to give you the supernatural strength and energy to do it because you decided to say yes and you decided to take a step towards action, not just here, but take a step towards action and do. And so now I'm giving you, it's like a breath of fresh air, God breathing and saying, you have all of my anointing, you have all of my strength, you have all of my joy, you have all of the things that you need to have fully equipped, fully complete, blessed in all that you're doing so that you can be successful. All of us have a godly purpose. The church has a godly purpose. Ephesians 2 and 10 says that we are his workmanship and we were created to do something good before the foundation of the world, created to do good works. You know what that makes me think of? Could be right or wrong. But if God created us to do good works, why do we fail? Maybe we fail because it's not what he created us to do. Maybe God's purposes always succeed, right? Maybe his purposes and what God wants to accomplish will always succeed, and maybe our failure could be one or two things. Either it's a lesson that we need to learn, right, and we're being exercised by all of the trouble and difficulty we go through that we interpret as possible failure, or maybe we are busy missing the mark and doing something that he hasn't called us to do, and that's why we're failing. Because if the Bible says that he created you to do good works, and the Bible says that he will equip you to do every good work, and the Bible says that you will be blessed in all of your doing, maybe it's something that's on us. Maybe we're missing something here. Maybe we're doing the wrong thing, and that's why we're experiencing failure. And so what God is saying is, I want you to be focused on what I have called you to do. And as soon as you see that in the mirror, as soon as you look and you see it and it's revealed to you through the reading of my word, I need you to take action right away. Because if you don't take action right away, you are going to lose yourself right away. At once, you will forget. So instead of forgetting, I want you to live into my godly purpose for you. Because if you don't, then as a church, we're just limping at best. So finally, the statement that I want to leave you with is this. The more we do God's word, 
the more we become clear about who we are as a church, our purpose, vision, and direction. If the church isn't clear, if we are not doing rather than just coming, being rather than just coming, you know, the Great Commission, there's no, there's no come, right? The, the Great Commission is go. Go and make and teach and be the church, be the hands and the feet, not just come and celebrate and listen and study, but to go and be. And sometimes we exchange that. We switch that up. We say, well, I know it's go and be and make and teach and all of that stuff, but I just want to come. I want to enjoy. I want to hear good teaching, good preaching. I want to listen to a great song. I want to feel all the warm and fuzzies of church and be inspired and motivated by that. And those are good things, and it's okay to do that but it cannot stop there. We have to go and be. And if the church is not taking action on what we are hearing, then we lose our purpose. And if you don't have purpose, you don't have a direction, you don't have a vision, you don't know where you're going, there are no goals. And I don't know if you've ever been at a place in life where you didn't know where you're going, but it's a bit hopeless. It feels hard. It feels difficult if if you don't have a clear path for where you're going. And God wants us to know. And so we read his word, and it's important we read it, and then we see here in James that we have to do it, or else the effect that we want to get out of reading is not going to happen. Let's stand on our feet. We're going to pray. The worship team is going to come and close us with one more song. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you that... Your word is life, your word is peace, your word is truth, your word is sharp, it is quick, it is powerful, and it pierces us, Lord God, and and is able to minister to the deepest inner parts of our heart and tell us who we are and tell us where we're wrong and tell us where we're right and correct us and teach us and train us, Lord God. I thank you so much for the power that is in your word. And I pray, Lord, for this church. I pray for New Life in Lincoln Park. I pray, Lord God, that you would empower this congregation to be everything that God has called them to, that you have called them to be, Lord. That that we don't miss the mark. That we see clearly where the mark is and that we go after it and we take action right away on what it is that we're hearing in your word, Lord God. We pray for that strength. We pray that we would be able to persevere through the fatigue and through all of the temptation and distraction, Lord God, that we would be able to be doers and not just hearers, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.